have led me through the fire in darkest night. You are close like no other. I've known you as a father. I've known you as a friend, and I have lived in the goodness of God. All my life you have been faithful All my life you have been so, so good With every step that I have made Oh, I will sing I love your voice. You have led me through the fire in darkest night. You are close like no other. I've known you as a father. I've known you as a friend. Oh, I. The goodness of God all my life. All my life, you have been faithful. All my life, you have been so I love you, Lord. You have led me through the fire in darkest night. You are close like no other. I've known you as a father. I've known you as a friend. And I have lived in the goodness of God all my life. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so. I love your voice. I love your voice. You have led me through the fire in darkest nights. You are close like no other. I've known you as a father. 
I've known you as a friend And I have lived In the goodness of God All my life Hasn't he been faithful? Tell him All my life you have been faithful All my life you have been so, so Father God, we bless your name. We worship you. We pray that you have your way in our midst, O God. Speak your word to us. Let it not be of the letter. Let it not be of man's speech, of my ideas. But may it be in the demonstration of the Holy Spirit and of power. So that our faith would not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. In Jesus' name. We may take our seats. <clears throat> Hallelujah. We're going to conclude with our message on being mindful of eternity. Being mindful of eternity. How many are blessed? Amen. What a wonderful time of worship. Amen. Praise and worship. So let's continue. Being mindful of eternity, our key text will be found in Colossians chapter 3, from verse 1 to 3. Shall we read Colossians? The Bible says, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ seateth at the right hand of God. Let me repeat that again. If ye then be risen with Christ. Seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth at the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above and not on things on the earth, for ye are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. Hallelujah. So just a quick recap. God is telling you and I that if we are indeed risen with Christ, if truly you and I were risen with Christ, the Bible says we're dead in our sins and trespasses. And God raised Christ from the dead. And as God was raising Christ from the dead, God also raised us with Christ and caused us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. This will be found in Ephesians chapter 2. Hallelujah. I'm not happy with the sound. If you can work on it, um, that would be awesome. Hallelujah. So if you are risen with Christ, seek the things. Please don't destroy it. Just don't, don't mess the sound. If, if you can't do anything, you can leave it. Amen. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. So God is telling you and I that if you and I were risen with Christ, we should only seek for the things which are above, which are in heaven. 
where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Now, where is Jesus Christ? Jesus Christ is at God's right hand. So, what are the things which are above where Christ is sitting at God's right hand? We have God the Father. We have God the Son. So, God wants you and I to seek heavenly things. The Bible says, lay not up for yourselves treasures on the earth where moth and rust can corrupt, where thieves will break through and steal. But rather, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through and steal. For where your heart is, or where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So God wants our hearts to be in heaven. Because you and I have a short life and a long eternity. So why should we focus all our minds, our heart on earth when we don't have much time on the earth? Even 200 years is a short life. The Bible says, what is your life? It is but like a vapor which appears for a little while and vanishes away. So God is telling us that we must set our affection on things above. So you and I must make a conscious effort to set our affection. Meaning that tune your mind, take your mind and program your mind to seek for heavenly things. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead. The Bible says that you and I are dead. What does it mean? Does it mean we are physically dead? No, you and I are dead to this world. You and I are dead to sin. You and I are dead to ourselves. And we are alive to God. Can I have an amen? amen. So ye are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. Hallelujah. So we talked about the fact that we have a short life and a long eternity. Amen? And then the Bible also says that in 1 Timothy chapter 6, Verse 7, for we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. This message is trying to encourage us to remember that God wants us to live a peaceful, good, prosperous life on earth. But God wants us to rather, as we are living on earth, focus on what really matters, which is heaven. Jesus gave the parable of the rich fool. Now, why was he called a fool? The rich fool was someone who had his businesses doing well. His bands were doing well. His business was flourishing. He had so much money. He even wanted to open separate accounts, open businesses in different cities, open businesses in different states, open businesses in different countries. But the Bible says that God called him up and said, tonight you are going to die. Now, why was he a rich fool? He was not a rich fool because he had riches. He was a rich fool because he was rich on earth, but not rich towards God. So there is something very important that you and I must be rich towards God. Amen. Amen. So God wants us to have a good quality of life, but make sure that our number one, the most important person, the most important thing you and I can do on earth is serve God. That's why Solomon, after everything he did, he said, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. The whole duty of man is to fear God and to keep his commandments. That is the whole duty of man. Hallelujah. 
Oh, praise the Lord. So, also, Ecclesiastes, we're just having a quick recap. Verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 13 and 14, the Bible says, And I gave my heart to seek and search out by wisdom concerning all things that are done under heaven. This sore travail hath God given to the sons of man to be exercised thereof. I have seen all the works that are done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and vexation of spirit. NLT says, I observed everything going on under the sun, and really, it is all meaningless like chasing the wind. Because the Bible makes it very clear that we have brought nothing into this world and we will take nothing out but god wants us to live this life work hard do our best to work hard live a good quality life enjoy our lives enjoy our families but make sure we are rich towards god that is what god wants you and i to do can i have an amen because that is what is going to count then the bible also talks about the fact that you and i our works will be tried by fire what I'm doing as a pastor, whatever you and I can do in this life for God, it will be tried by fire. And if the works are works of gold, it will pass through the fire and we will receive a reward. But if our works were done out of wrong motives, we had a different agenda, we, we, we were not walking in love, we did not love people, we did not love God, we, don't, we did not love one another, our works will be burnt up. Hallelujah. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. The Bible says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one will give an account of what he has done in his body, whether it be good or bad. It means that you and I, as Christians, we would all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And every single one of us are going to give an account of what we have done. Whether it is good or bad, we will be rewarded for whatever we have done. If we have done good, we will be rewarded with uh, uh, rewards. If we have not done well, that will be a problem. Hallelujah. Of course, we will not go to hell. Those who are appearing before the judgment seat of Christ are those who are in heaven. Hallelujah. But there will be lots of rewards or a lot of rewards. Amen. I pray that we would all have many rewards. Amen. Now, this is very important. We're now um, touching on something I talked about last week, but I just want to say just a few more things about it. Second Corinthians, Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14 and 15. The Bible says, I'll use NLT, either way, Christ's love controls us or constrains us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. Think about that. Since Christ died for all, we have died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them beautiful so it means that you and i are not to live for ourselves we are not to live for ourselves we are to live for christ who died and rose again 
Look at Galatians 2.20. I am crucified with Christ. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, even though I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This is very powerful. God is saying that you and I, in actual fact, we are to live a crucified life. We were crucified with Christ, meaning that we crucified the flesh, meaning that we crucified the sinful desires, meaning that we crucified our desires for the world. We, are, we, we should mortify the deeds of the flesh. The deeds of the flesh, the deeds of our lives, we are to die to it. The Bible says, I am crucified with Christ. But even though I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless, I am still alive. But not me, but it is actually Christ who is living in me and through me. Hallelujah. Now look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 to 20. So this is very important. The reality is that our lives are not our own. 1 Corinthians 19 to 20 says, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? I belong to God. I don't belong to myself. For ye are bought with a price. You and I were captives to the devil. Adam uh, sinned and Satan became the prince of the world. Satan started to rule in the lives of people. According to Romans 5, you can read from 12 to 17. No time to get there. Hallelujah. Verse 17 says that if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more surely may those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. So death reigned in people's lives. Can I have an amen? amen. But Jesus Christ bought us back from sin. He purchased us. That's what we call we were redeemed. You and I were redeemed. We were bought back. So, and you are, you are usually redeemed or ransomed with a high price. But the Bible says we're not redeemed with silver and gold. But we're redeemed with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. We're redeemed with the precious blood. So the Bible says that ye are not your own. For ye were bought, ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit which are God's. I'll read it from NLT. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. For God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. Now, the last part of what we talked about last week. How many are getting me so far? Very important. You and I are not for ourselves. Amen. Now, the next thing is the price to become a Christian. The price. The price. We all know that the price, we hear about the price being time with God. 
uh, uh, meaning uh, less time for things we like, total devotion to God. But I want us to look at very important things. Now, what is the definition of a Christian? Who is a Christian? We'll talk about that in detail, what it means to be born again. But who is a Christian? Let's quickly look at some scriptures. I'll quickly read from John chapter 1. Sorry, John chapter 3. I'll start from verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, Jesus usually addressed the situation. Someone comes to him with a question, but Jesus knows deep inside what they want. So Jesus did not uh, play around. He went straight to the point. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto thee, ye must be born again. Very important. So Jesus is saying that except a person is born again, he or she cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Now, what does it mean to be born again? Very important. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10, and then 1 Corinthians chapter 15 will give us a quick, re I mean, summary. Ex uh, I've not even talked about Mark chapter, uh, the last uh, chapter of Mark, Mark 16. Hallelujah. Let's look at Romans 10, 9 and 10. For if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, or confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the heart, sorry, with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Now, this is very important. The Bible is saying that for you and I to be saved or born again, you and I must confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and God. And Lord meaning ruler, controller, owner. So you and I must confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and God. Number two, we must believe that he died on the cross and was buried and God raised him from the dead. That is what it means to be saved. If you don't believe that Jesus died and rose from the dead, you cannot be saved. If you don't believe that Jesus Christ is Lord, you cannot. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 to 8. Moreover, brethren, if I will use uh, NLT, let me now remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news I preached to you before. You welcomed it then, and you still stand firm in it. It is this good news that saves you. If you continue to believe the message I told you, 
unless of course you believe something that was not true in the first place now what is the message that saved them i passed to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me christ died for our sins just as the scriptures said he was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day just as the scripture said he was seen by peter and then by the 12 after that he was seen by more than 500 brethren at once at one time most of whom are still alive though some have died then he was seen by james and later by all the apostles last of all and it goes on what am i saying for a person to be a christian you must believe that jesus christ is lord you must believe that he died for your sins his blood was shed for your sins he was buried and that god raised him from the dead and you must confess it hallelujah now let's get to the meat of this that many christians have not realized and even though we realize it's hard to do but we have to do because that is very important for the believer can i have an amen let's look at acts chapter 11 verse 26 and when he had found him he brought him unto antioch and it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves to, with the church and taught much people and the disciples were called christians first at antioch so this verse is saying that the name christian was first introduced to this world at antioch the church at antioch that was the first time the word christian was brought up now the word christian was uh, given to a group of people who were disciples of jesus now these people who were disciples of jesus fulfilled romans 10 9 and 10. they believed in jesus christ they believed that jesus died and rose again that's why after Jesus died, they were still disciples and in the church. Very important. Now, the Bible is saying that the word disciple, a Christian is actually a disciple of Jesus Christ. How many are getting me so far? A Christian is a disciple of Jesus Christ. Because the Bible says, look at it in NLT. So let me say it in another way. Anyone who believes that Jesus Christ is the son of god or is the is lord and died on the cross was buried and rose from the dead is a disciple of jesus christ the bible is saying when he had found him he brought him back to antioch both of them stayed there with the church for a full year teaching great numbers of people it was there at antioch that the believers were first called christians so a disciple is a believer of jesus christ now let's look at the what jesus used to qualify a believer or a disciple now i tell you are you getting me very good what, what did jesus say are the characteristics of a disciple are you ready matthew chapter 10 in fact let me just I'll, I'll not read these ones but you can when you go home you can read mark 8 31 to 38 i read that last week you can also read luke 
9, 22 to 26. I'll repeat that. Mark 8, 31 to 38, and Luke 9, 22 to 26. Now, I'll just read two of those for you. Matthew 10, 32 to 39. Whosoever, therefore, shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father, which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father, which is in heaven. Think not that I came, I come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father, and the daughter against her mother, and the daughter-in-law against the, her mother-in-law. Of course, this just, verse just means that some religions, if someone, if a parent says, worship an idol, or a parent says, murder someone, or a parent says, do something bad, you cannot do it because the Bible says don't do it. If appearances don't become a Christian, you'll be at variance with the parent because you have to become a Christian. That's what this verse means. Amen? Let's continue. For, and a man's foes shall be they of his own household. This would matter a lot during the tribulation period. Let's continue. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. This Jesus, our God. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Hmm. It's a toughie. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it. And he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. This is meat, but nevertheless, the Lord who will judge us said it. Before I read the next one, look at Romans chapter 8, verse 31. What shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but gave him up for us all, why should he not with him freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, that, yea, rather, that is written again, who is at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Now hold on, this is what I want. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died. Look at it in NLT. So the one who is our judge, the judgment seat of Christ, he is telling us that we are not worthy of him if we love others more. Who, who then will condemn us? Will, Christ, will, will Jesus Christ? No, for he is the one who died for us. So he is our judge. But the one who is our judge died for us to save us. By the end of the day, we will still be at the judgment seat of Christ. And he, nevertheless, is the one who is giving us these qualifications. Now, let's go back to Luke chapter 14. Just one more verse, and then I'll explain. Luke 14, 23. In fact, let's, just for time's sake, Luke 14, um, 25 to 33. 
no, yeah, 25 to 27 and then 33. Later on, when you go home, you can read Luke 14, 23 to 33. Now let's look at 25. And there were great multitudes with him. And he turned and said unto them, If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple or he was never my believer. It is, this is meat. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. Now, this is not as bad as it, it sounds, but it is meat. Now, let's go into it. Sometimes when you read the Bible, if I, let's look at Amplified, so that when I'm explaining it in the Greek, you would understand that I'm not just making things up. Look at verse 26 and 20 to 30, 26 in the Greek to 27. Okay. If any man come to me and does not hate his own father and mother, now it explains it, in the sense of indifference to or relative disregard for them in comparison with his attitude towards God. There you go. And likewise his wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. We'll go into it again. Verse 27. Whoever does not persevere and carry his own cross and come after, follow me, cannot be my disciple. Verse 33. So then, any of you who does not forsake, meaning renounce, surrender claim to, give up, say goodbye to, especially in your heart, to all that he has cannot be my disciple. Now, let's get into it. Wow. The word hate in the Greek is misio. And this word means to love someone or something less than someone else to renounce one's choice in favor of another now the word forsake also means to withdraw from to renounce to separate oneself withdraw oneself now what jesus is saying is that my love where's my daughter phoebe yes come you like we being used as an example you can move your jacket <laughs> Just careful you don't strip over. <laughs> okay. So this is this is um righteousness or or, or let's say this is of course God understands I'm using it as an, an an analogy. But take it that you are where God that you are the love for God. I am the love for my for everyone I love in this world. Take my family, everyone. My job, my life, everything you can think of. This is me. 
Now, if this is a trillion and this is 100,000 and this is zero, 100,000 is a large number. But when you are comparing 100,000 to a trillion, 100,000 will be grouped with zero in math. So God is saying that my love for my family member or for anything in this world should be so irrelevant compared to my love for Jesus Christ. If not, I cannot be his disciple. I cannot. My love for God must be so high in comparison to my love for the one I love most or the thing I love most, including my life. My love for Jesus must be more important than my love for myself. That's why the disciples were willing to die for their faith by the martyrs. Thank you. You can put your hands together for it. So now the question is, what do we love so much that competes with God, the jealous God? The Bible says, I am a jealous God and my name is called Jealous. My name is Jealous. Yes. So think about it. My love for God must be great. But you see, the things God expects us to do and our devotion to God would usually be reduced when we love something even close to our love for God. The things we will need to do as Christians, forsake as Christians, will be very difficult if we love things close to our love for God. Let's assume that in a scale of one to uh, zero to one, God is a one and we love uh, God is 100% and we love the thing we love the most, maybe 60%. We still love God more, but the 60% will prevent us from doing what we need to do for God. That's why we must love in comparison. We must love far more God. God must be loved far more because he created us. What does Revelation 4 to say? No, is it for Revelation 4, 1? Let me read it. Okay. I'm sure it's for something. Is it? Um, hallelujah to Jesus. Revelation 4, 11. Just a bit short. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. So God has plans for you and I. You and I were brought into this world for a reason. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, for we are his workmanship. We are his handiwork. We are God's masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God had before ordained that we should walk in them. When you read it in NLT, it says that God has prepared certain good works for us to do long ago. So you and I were brought into this world for a reason. 
But you and I cannot accomplish the reason and the and, and we, you and I will not be able to glorify God or accomplish the reason we're brought to this world if we don't love far more God compared to anything else. I must love God more than money. I must love God more than my career. I must love God more than anything in high comparison. On a scale of 0.0, on a scale of less than 1% to 100%. I must be indifferent. I used to tell my kids all the time. I don't know what I've told a young one. I think I have. But what did I tell you? Come also the other child. What was I saying to you regularly about the love for God and you, my children? You would say, I love you so, so much, but I love God more, way more. Way more. So it means that, so, so therefore, don't attempt to prevent me from doing what I need to do or pray or whatever, because I love God far more. That is very important. Very, very important. And then the Bible also says, so number one, you and I must love God far more. Number two, we also read it. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot, cannot. That he cannot be my disciple. Now, what is the cross? The cross symbolizes suffering, shame, giving up. You realize that Jesus gave up many things. He gave up his clothing. Now, the cross, the real account, Jesus was naked. There, there, there was nothing. It's just because... He's our God. I mean, you have to cover him a bit in the pictures. But they wanted to disgrace him. So passengers and people, travelers passing by will see him. The Romans executed troublemakers, criminals on the cross to punish them and to make them an example so that people would not do that. People who were insurrectionists, who were causing trouble against Rome. Hallelujah. And Jesus was there. Now, the cross symbolizes shame because he was naked. So you and I must be willing the reproach of Christ. Sometimes when you are going on evangelism, sometimes I go on evangelism, I go, sometimes I go by myself, sometimes I go with people. And when you are telling people about Jesus on the streets, people would, get out, I hate you, get out. And you get a few Christians who will say, God bless you for what you are doing. But most people will say, I hate you. Haters. <laughs> so anytime I'm about to go on the street, I'm saying, oh God, give me strength, give me grace, because I know I'm going to be insulted. The reproach of Christ. Even at work, I remember one of my, oh, I mean, many, over 10 years ago, there was a company I was working for, and I had just moved there. So my, they took us out to eat. And then one person who had just joined asked, so, oh, you were living in Pennsylvania, you moved to Minnesota, what happened? Oh, for church. But when you are walking, we're, we're about to enter the restaurant so I could see through the mirror. I mean, the, the, the glass door. I saw him, it was like, he, he, he made a face, it's like, what, for church? But for where you move, why not church? If you can move for work, why can't you move for church? Wow. Hallelujah. But many times, when you are in the plane or you are out there, it's very, it's, you don't want to pray. Many people don't want to even pray at restaurants. 
Many people, but we should, we, we, we have to. Many people don't want to pray in the plane or open their Bibles. You can take a book to read in the, in, in the plane, but when you have your Bible, you feel shy. But we shouldn't be ashamed. Because Jesus said, if you are ashamed before me, if you are ashamed of me in this generation, I'll also be ashamed of you. Hallelujah. It doesn't mean you not go to heaven, but you'll be ashamed of you. Uh, whatever that would, would mean. Hallelujah. So the cross symbolizes suffering. Now when we are talking about suffering, we're not talking about suffering, oh poor old me, I'm a miserable person, let suffering come, please bring suffering. No, 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 no. <laughs> suffering means what you would go through for Christ. Sleepless nights. I remember there was a time I, I, I was fast asleep very late at night maybe 2 a.m., and then a church member who had not seen him for, for maybe three, four years called and was crying on the phone. Please, I need to meet you tonight. My daughter is possessed. I need to meet you tonight. I said, let's do it tomorrow morning. She said, no, tonight. So I couldn't go myself, of course. So I had to call church members. Now I ask myself, who can I call who will not be inconvenienced to join me? Because I don't want to call someone, a person say, oh, I'm sleeping. Oh, you called me so, oh, oh, you, oh, you can't wait. Okay. I didn't want that. So I called two people. I called uh, some, one, of the past, one of my pastors, Pastor Maxwell, and then I also called um, Magdalene. Uh, one of the ladies, and then we went and we did what we needed to do. That's the suffering. Suffering for Christ. Apostle Paul was shipwrecked, went through so many difficulties. So you and I must be prepared to be inconvenienced for Jesus. What can you give up? Can you give up your rights? Can you give up finances? Can you give up money to travel? You travel somewhere to help someone. If someone is in need, can you help the person? What can we give up for Jesus? What are we willing to lose? That's why Jesus said, you, he cannot be my disciple. Because someone who truly believes in Jesus Christ. I'll tell you one example. Wow, my time is already approaching. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> There was a man on death row in Wales. Now, he had committed murder and he was on death row. Now, death row. The time, so just before he was uh, uh, going to be executed, a priest came and said, you know, s s uh, sang in Latin and was giving his last rites. And the man said, get away, I don't want to talk to you. And the priest was surprised. Maybe he's delirious. Get away, I don't need to talk to you. I don't want to hear it. But the priest proceeded. And then the man said, you, you say you believe in God and that there is heaven and there is hell. If what you are saying, you really believed it, if I were you and I believed that there is a heaven and a hell, I will crawl through broken glass to tell the last person, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. But since you are not doing it, you are singing out. And he, he went and, and he was executed. If we really believe, if truly we believe, we'll be willing to risk our lives to go and 
tell the last person. We will be really willing to be ashamed. Or at least we will be willing to at least pray for people. We, we will pray for people who don't know Jesus. We will talk to, we will, even if we can't talk to them, we will pray for them. We will, I don't know if you get what I'm saying. We will do everything we can to help someone. So Jesus is saying that if we do not take up our cross, bear our cross, our cross of shame, our cross of giving things up, what are we willing to give up? Then Jesus said, if there is anyone who does not give up everything to follow me, meaning that I must be prepared to give up everything, it doesn't mean I'll give it up. Usually, God doesn't take your Isaac. Your Isaac, he will want to prove, God is so jealous that he will want to see if you are willing to give up everything. All the heroes of faith, most of them had to give up something. So God wants to know that I am willing to give up my job. I'm willing to give up a, a very nice job that is causing me to sin. I'm willing to give it up for a lower paying job. God wants to see, God wants to know that I'm willing to give up a job somewhere that I'm, and an end far less so that I can be useful to him. God wants to, God wants us to prove our devotion to him. He doesn't require that we give it up, but he wants to know what we are willing to do for him. Are we willing to be shamed? Are we willing to be ostracized? Some places, as soon as you leave, the, when, when you're at work and you leave, they walk, they, they, they even send you, they, 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 they let you join, uh, join them, them on LinkedIn, they keep in touch. But there are some places when you leave, that's it. Now they start to talk up against you. Are you willing to get, go through all that for Jesus? Are you, what are you willing to lose? What are you willing to go through because of the cross? These are all things that God is looking at for you and I. What are we willing to lose? When we are able to do all these things, God will bless us. God will bless us. God will bless us here on earth and bless us in heaven. Why can't we love him when he gave up everything for us? The Bible says, what manner of love the Father had bestowed upon us that we should be called children of God. For God commended his love toward us in that whilst we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. What a blessing. What a great love. That's what the Bible says. We must offer our bodies, Romans 12, 1, a living sacrifice. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, I close with this. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Reasonable. Reasonable. It is reasonable for us to give our lives to him. But God will not take it from us. When you give your life to him, he's not going to take from you. He's not going to take your money from you. He's not going to take your happiness from you. He's going to give you more. 
is going to give you much more. The things we hold on to, we can never keep them. But when we give them up in our heart, he gives us more. And he gives us a blessed life in eternity. So as I conclude, we have a short life and a long eternity. God wants you and I to be rich towards him. God wants you and I to set our affection on things above in heaven. Now, where Christ seateth, for we are dead to this world, and our lives are hidden, concealed, protected in Christ. Protected with Christ in God. Protected. Our lives are hidden. So no one understands God's plan for us but God. No one knows our future but God. No one knows the, the covering and everything God has planned for us. It's all hidden with Christ. Anyone who is in Jesus Christ, our lives are hidden and blessed and protected in Christ. With Christ in God. God bless you all. Shall we stand to our feet and just praise the Lord. Let's praise the Lord. Let's ask God to give us the grace to pay the price for salvation. The, the price. Salvation is free. We don't need to pay for salvation. It's been paid already. It's been paid. All we need to do is to believe. But for reward and to please the Lord, we need to pay the price. Salvation is free. It's already been paid for. Jesus paid for our salvation. So we don't need to pay for salvation. It's free. But we need to pay the price to please God and for rewards. Once we are Christians, we need to pay the price. Shall we pray, God, give me the grace to pay the price. To pay the price. To pay the price. To pay the price. Yes, just speak to him. The grace to pay. Yes, the grace to pay the price. The price of devotion to God. The price of prayer to God. The price of reading the Bible myself. The price of studying the word of God. The Bible. The price of the cross, the price of loving God so much in comparison to everything else. The price. The price. Oh, yes, Jesus. Father God, we bless your name and we worship you. Whilst we are praying, if you don't know Jesus Christ, if you are here or you are watching and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you know in your heart that if you die today, you do not know whether you go to heaven or hell. You know in your heart that you are far away from God. But you want Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life. You want to be born again. You want to be saved. You want your sins forgiven. If you are like that, I want you to raise your hands. And I'll share a word of prayer with you. If you are watching also, you can raise your hands. Now, let's all repeat after me, <clears throat> according to Romans 10, 9 and 10. Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father 
I come to you in the name of Jesus Christ. I confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I believe that he died on the cross for my sins. I believe that his blood was shed for my sins. I believe that God raised him from the dead. Lord Jesus, please come into my heart. Please come into my life. Forgive me for all my sins and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. From today, I belong to Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving me. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We may take our seats. We bless the Lord. It's time for giving. If you have your tithe, your first and best tithe, um, I'll encourage you to give. We'll have the giving on the screen. Hallelujah. Tithe is very important. The Bible says that we should tithe. Jesus said tithe. Yes, you should. But do not neglect to do the more important things. There are more important things than tithing. Jesus said that justice, mercy, and truth, those are more important. But nevertheless, we must tithe. Hallelujah. Mm-hmm. So if you have your tithe, your first and best, you can um, just <coughs> raise your hand and I'll <coughs> share a word of prayer. And Father God, bless our tithe in Jesus' name. Your word which says in Malachi 3.10 that you pour out a blessing and you rebuke the devourer for our sakes. Father God, We accept those blessings in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you have your offering, you can also raise your offering. Father God, bless our offering in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.